What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What is up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. First week of NFL football is in the books. Let's freaking go. But let me say this. I did record a podcast. I did. I did. I promise. I recorded a podcast to lay out my starts of the week, sits of the week, all that stuff for week one, and then the audio file got corrupted. Super frustrating. An hour of my life just gone, wasted. I was super unmotivated to, to re-record everything I had just recorded, and so I, I apologize for that, but I will say, if you're following me on socials, on Twitter or Instagram, I posted pretty much the guide of my podcast episode, um, you know, with my starts, my sits, my best bets. All that stuff. So, with that said, let's recap week one and let's talk about some possible moves you should be looking to make. Whether it is the waiver wire, which this is coming out super late, so you might listen to this too late in terms of the waiver wire. But there might be some guys that get glossed over that are still there. But mainly, how are we feeling about the players? All right, we're going to start with the Bucks game, obviously, because I'm a Bucks fan. So, we had Bucks. Cowboys in the Bucks Cowboys Sunday night game. There was not too many crazy takeaways. There really wasn't. Now, obviously, there's a lot to talk about moving forward with Dak being gone. With Dak being gone, CeeDee Lamb to me is looking, oh man, he's looking like a back end wide receiver too. We're probably talking wide receiver 20 ish. And that's scary. That's a really scary thought. But Somebody that was so highly touted and so highly drafted just in an instant. And that's not even talking about Dak, because obviously if he drafted Dak, that's also rough. But his draft cost was not nearly as high as CeeDee Lamb's. If you've got CeeDee Lamb, it's going to be tough, because it's going to be hard to sell him. It's going to be hard to start him every week with confidence. So you're really going to have to play matchups. You're going to have to play matchups. We're going to have to see how Cooper Rush does unless they get Jimmy Garoppolo, which if I was a Cowboys fan or I was on the Cowboys management, I would not get Jimmy Garoppolo because your team was not good enough already with Dak to get much, definitely not to the Super Bowl, much less the playoffs. So you're just making your draft position worse and you're giving away future draft capital to have a subpar season. To me, that's losing football. I would not do that. They're probably going to do that, though, because they're the Cowboys and they're a big-name brand and they got to keep winning or keep doing okay at least. So they're probably not going to be okay with getting a top-five pick, which is what they would probably be getting if they just ran out with Cooper Rush. And that's what I would do if I was them. But with that said, CeeDee Lamb, I'm not super excited about, but probably not much you could do with him. Nobody's probably going to undervalue him enough for you to go make trade offers for CD Lamb, so I wouldn't do that. Now, if Dak comes back at the end of the season, CD Lamb could come on strong. So if you're able to just hold him, 
Keep a good team. He might be able to help you there in the long run. But let's talk about the other players in the game. Julio Jones, he's a good waiver wire pickup. He really is. He is looking healthy. He's looking spry and fast. Got some acceleration. Got some burst. Route running is still superb. So we've got a lot going for Julio Jones. He's looking good. The Titans were not nearly as involved as I was expecting. Usually when Gronk is gone, especially if we got injuries at the wide receiver position, Cam Brate's getting some targets. He only got a few. And any of the tar- any of the tight ends behind him really only compiled like one or two targets. So wide receivers are just killing it. The wide receivers and Lenny are just killing it right now in terms of the targets. And Chris Godwin's out for a little while. That makes Mike Evans, to me, a perfect buy, or I'm sorry, a perfect sell high candidate. This is why. Mike Evans, right now, is going to fetch you so much. Think about where he was drafted. He was basically at the 2-3 turn in most drafts, right around A.J. Brown, usually like right before A.J. Brown. So you've, you're getting Mike Evans at the 2-3 turn, right? Well, now Chris Godwin, we know for sure, is going to miss, let's say, 3-4 weeks. People know Mike Evans is going to be a beast, and people might not be sold on Julio yet because they've only seen him for one week. So right now is the best opportunity you have to sell Mike Evans and get a stud. And that's what I would be looking to do. Target somebody that's a buy low right now, like a Dalvin Cook. Now, obviously, you're not going to get Dalvin Cook dirt cheap. It's not that type of buy low. But he had a bad game. He didn't get as much volume as people were probably hoping. But he played a tough front. And Justin Jefferson was just having his way with that team. He had linebackers on him, safeties on him, like 50% of the time. That's ridiculous. He should have the number one corner with a safety over top 100% of the time. He should not have a linebacker and a safety 50% of his routes run. That is ridiculous. So he was just having his way in that game, and they didn't really need to run the ball. And to me, that's a sign of, look, Dalvin Cook's perfect by low. He is. And a lot of people are going to be worried about his age and stuff like that. Dalvin Cook's probably, to me, I still view him as a top five, top five guy. Austin Eckler, I would say he is somebody you want to try to acquire with somebody like a Mike Evans, throw in a running back on the side. You'd probably have to do that for Dalvin Cook as well. But see what you can do. It's week one. People overreact. We're not those people. We're not the people that overreact. But I will say, those people are out there. If you can find those people and target them, you're going to make your team better. So Mike Evans is a good buy or sell high. I don't know why I keep saying that. Sell high. And Chris Godwin, you're just going to have to hold on to him, wait for him to come back. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's going to be good regardless. He's a back-end QB1. Lenny's looking really good. He's basically paying off exactly what he was drafted to pay off. And that's all all we got for that game. Zeke and and Pollard are just kind of looking like, "Mm," probably around what they were being drafted as too. Because obviously they played the Bucks front. The Bucks have had one of the best defensive fronts, especially for run stopping over the last three years. So we weren't expecting much from those guys from the first place, which is why I had Zeke as a sit on my uh, post that you guys saw, or hopefully saw. Now let's talk about last night's game, Broncos Seahawks. Okay, last night's game, I was really, really worried in the beginning. Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton were not getting targeted at all. It was a bunch of tight ends the running backs, and like a no-name wide receiver here or there. And I was like, oh boy, like 
there there goes all the Sutton truthers, which you guys know I'm not a Sutton truther. Um, I'm not really a Jerry Judy truther either. I kind of find them to both be decent values in this in this year's draft, but I didn't really get them anywhere because I was never the highest guy in the room on them. So I actually don't have any shares of the Broncos wide receivers. But with that said, I don't think we should overreact. Jerry Judy came on later. Corlin Sutton came on later. Russell Wilson's still got a lot to learn. He's in a new offense, a completely new offense. He's been in the same offense pretty much his whole life, or at least the same type of structure. And, you know, most of the things were the same. Things change here and there when you get different coordinators, all that stuff. But for the most part, he knew what he was working with, and he was very familiar with all his receivers and his whole entire cast of players. Now everything has changed. It's going to take him a little bit. It's going to take him a little bit before he is just the Russell Wilson that we know and love. So I wouldn't freak out about the wide receivers, but I also got to say we should pump the brakes a little bit. Javante Williams, however, we don't have to pump the brakes for. He had seven carries to Melvin Gordon's 12. He was way more efficient than Melvin Gordon. He looks better than Melvin Gordon, although Melvin Gordon does look good. I'm not saying he doesn't look good. He looks good, but Javante's clearly better. And Javante got 12, I believe, I believe it was 12 targets. That's absolutely ridiculous. If Javante Williams gets six targets, even half of that, six targets a game, he's going to be an absolute beast, beast for fantasy. He had the most receptions in the second most receptions in the NFL this week. I'm pretty sure the only person with more receptions than him was Cooper Cup. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was Cooper Cup who had more than him. But that's that's insane. 11 receptions, 65 receiving yards, 19.8 PPR points, and he didn't even have a touchdown. He didn't even have a touchdown. That's amazing. That's fantasy gold. And you know he's not going to be getting less carries than Melvin Gordon, to that degree at least, the entire season. There's no way. So Javante Williams, to me, is like RB12 to 14 range. He's looking good. I would say go try to acquire him because... He's got very, very nice upside. However, it's going to be very hard to acquire him after a game like that. On the other side of the ball, Geno Smith looks pretty good. He, I'm not going to lie. He looks pretty good. He's got a good story. It kind of root for the guy. And DK Metcalf is not going to be as bad as I thought. I stay away from him everywhere. I'm still glad that I did that because um, he's not going to be like, the offense ain't going to be crazy. But he will be better than what I was thinking. He's probably going to be a back-end wide receiver two for the year. I had him more as like a wide receiver three. And same with Tyler Lockett. I'm not sure if we can declare DK over Tyler just off one game. However, DK Metcalf is going to be the better receiver for the type of quarterback that Geno Smith is because he's going to throw the ball in the vicinity, but he needs a big receiver to grab that thing and bring it down, which is not Tyler Lockett. That's DK Metcalf. So I do prefer him over Tyler Lockett, but I think it's a little too early to say that for sure. That's pretty much all I got on that game. There's not too much, too much to take away. Rashad Penny looked really good. Ken, uh, Kenneth, oh my goodness, can't remember his name at the moment. Walker, there it is. Walker was out, so you know we didn't get to see him. We'll see what happens in the future. But I, I still think Penny's probably, as long as he's healthy, he's getting the lion's share, no matter if Walker comes back healthy or not. If we talk about the Chiefs-Cardinals game, we got to talk about the fact that Patrick Mahomes does not need Tyreek Hill as much as we initially thought. He looks really good. Juju was the clear wide receiver one. I don't think that that was a debate coming in. A lot of people did. Um, Juju was my clear wide receiver one for that team, and I think that they showed that that's the case. 
He's a good route runner. He's young. He's got strong hands. He just has had weird situations. And, you know, some people say he was only good in Pittsburgh because he was the number two behind A.B., well, guess what? He's the number two behind Travis Kelsey, and he's not going to see the worst coverage because of Kelsey. So Juju's going to be fine all year, and I think he's a solid, worthy flex, and we'll see a little bit more of him very soon on Thursday. Travis Kelsey still locked in tight end one. We're not worried about his age. He's looking good. And at least the Cardinals. Maybe other teams will do it. Actually, this will be a very good test against the Chargers because the Chargers do have the pieces to guard somebody like Travis Kelsey. So we'll see what Travis Kelsey is able to do in this game. I think that'll actually be very important for us, something to keep an eye on. But we're not worried about him. That Chiefs offense is good. Golden, Clyde's looking good. He is a sneaky, a sneaky sell high, but it comes with risk because if they finally figured out that they need to throw the ball to Clyde, which is what we thought they were going to do, and we thought that was the reason they drafted him, if they finally figured that out, then he, you don't want to sell him. But if we're thinking, oh, that was kind of a fluke, and it was a one good game, but if he makes one mistake here or there, Pacheco's coming in because Pacheco looks really good too, then you want to sell him. you got to figure out what side of the line you belong. All right, so if you're if you're thinking Pacheco's going to take over, you need to sell Clyde. Or if you even think Pacheco's going to take like a 40% share at some point in the season, you need to sell him. If not, if you think Clyde is, is good and they really intend on using Clyde how they chose to this week, then keep him and he'll be very good. Clyde was one of those later running backs that I did like grabbing in a lot of places just because he was so cheap. Sixth round, I mean, why not? Sixth, seventh round, you're getting a running back that might finally have the receiving role. He's still in a good offense, so and there wasn't that many running backs. I mean, it's pretty much him, McKinnon, McKinnon and Pacheco, and that's it. So I like the Chiefs offense. They're looking good. Cardinals, Kyler needs some help. He needs Hopkins back. He needs Rondell Moore back. He needs help. And uh, I mean, that's all. I'm going to just leave it at that. James Conner's really good. He's getting a lot of work, receptions, and he's running a lot of routes, and he's getting a lot of carries. So both James Conner and Leonard Fournette, some of the back-end second-round or middle-second-round running backs that a lot of people were worried about, they're looking safe so far. Let's just hope they don't get injured. Packers-Vikings. Oh, man, I loved this game. I loved this game. Not much to say about Justin Jefferson. What can I, a mere mortal, say about Justin Jefferson out there killing it? Ooh, killing it. So, Justin Jefferson, I mean, wide receiver one, baby. Lock it in. No, not really, but you can lock in top three 100%. Good to go. And, yeah, he's just, he's uncoverable. You can't do anything to stop that guy. Secondly, A.J. Dillon. This is the part that I really loved about the game. Because Justin Jefferson, you could only get him in so many drafts. It depends on where your draft slot was. A.J. Dillon, because he's going in somewhere around 5, 6, 7, you could get him in every draft if you really wanted him. And that was me. That was me this year. I'm, I got A.J. Dillon so many places. And a lot of you guys that have talked to me that I helped do their drafts, you have A.J. Dillon on your roster because of me. So A.J. Dillon is one of my most heavily invested players this season. Actually, in fact... Michael Thomas, Jalen Hurts, and A.J. Dillon, if you guys remember, I said on the last podcast, those are the three league winners in round six, and I said you're going to win your league in round six. Get Dillon, get Thomas, get Hurts, and a lot of times you could get all three. I have multiple teams with all three. I was grabbing Hurts in round six or seven. 
A.J. Dillon in the other, and usually getting, I'm sorry, Hurts in round six, usually. A.J. Dillon is the one I would usually reach for because if Hurts went before I got to pick in six, I would take like Kyler. So I was getting A.J. Dillon usually in round five or round six, and then Hurts in six, and then Thomas in seven or six. So a lot of the time, I've been getting those shares, and those all three of those guys had a great day. All three of them had a great day. So A.J. Dillon, guys, more receptions, more carries, more red zone touches, all then A.J. Dillon. The time is here. AJ or all more than Aaron Jones. AJ Dillon is taking over that backfield. And this is a team that could be very similar to the Browns. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, could be very similar to that. And they're gonna be in the offense or in the red zone a lot. Their offense is gonna be popping. A lot of touchdown opportunities. AJ Dillon is the guy they go to for those touchdowns. And now he He's getting receptions. He's a good receiving back, despite he's kind of like Derrick Henry, where people say, you know, Derrick Henry can catch a lot better than you think, and he can go out the backfield and run a a route a little bit better than you would think because of his size. A.J. Dillon's the same way. He's a better receiving back than Derrick Henry. So I love him. Absolutely love A.J. Dillon. To me, he's like barely outside of RB1 range. Barely. He's like RB13 to 15 for me. That's where I had him ranked before going into the season and I'm keeping him there that was a really good game for him and if you're Aaron Jones owner you should be pretty worried and because I loved AJ Dillon so much I stayed away from Aaron Jones Um, I didn't think he was a bad value where he was going but it turns out he might actually have been Dalvin Cook also if you can get him cheap go get him he had a a bad game I'm not over over uh, thinking that one he's gonna be fine he's a top five back still Giants Titans Saquon Barkley is back Also, I know most people that listen to podcasts, they listen to other podcasts, so I don't want to talk about too much repetitive stuff over and over and over, but obviously, Saquon Barkley is great. He's also probably a top five back, as long as he stays healthy. So, you already know two of my top five backs going into the rest of the season, and it's Saquon and it's Dalvin Cook. Well, obviously, Jonathan Taylor. Christian McCaffrey, I don't know. I'm starting. I'm a little bit, a little bit nervous on just because of how he was used. But I'm not going to overreact to one week because we don't do that. Remember, we don't do that. So let's look at the other side of the ball. The Titans, Traylon Burks had a very nice debut. I would say it was a very nice debut, at least 55 receiving yards in your rookie game when everybody was basically just talking smack about you all off season. It's pretty good. Pretty good turnout. So I'm excited. He also didn't run that many routes. He wasn't on the field for a high number of snaps. So that stuff is going to naturally go up as a rookie. Remember, Justin Jefferson in his rookie season was getting dropped. Getting dropped by people off their rosters in week by week two, week three. Because people were not patient. And then week three or four, he blew up and then just continued thereon. And so don't give up on these rookies. Don't drop these rookies. Hold them till at least, if you can, if you can, hold them to at least week six at least give them some time because all of them had very nice debuts Traylon Burks Chris Olave Drake London especially um Garrett Wilson who's the other one who's the other one Jahan Dotson yes all of them had very nice debuts the only rookie wide receiver that was taken in the first round that didn't was the one who's not playing Jamison Williams so I'm feeling very optimistic about all those wide receivers on the Giants side of the ball, Kadarius Tony hopefully will get involved more, but if you want to drop him, I won't blame you. He was somebody I like to take in the back end of drafts. Because of that, I'm just going to hold on to that merit 
and I'm going to hold on to him for a week. One more week, see what happens. Also, Wandale got hurt, so Sterling Shepard's like the only legit wide receiver over there right now. So we'll see what happens. If you want to take him for like a small PPR flex here and there, you can, but he doesn't have that much upside. Raiders, charges. In that game, we learned that Devontae Adams is that dude still, which I don't think anybody was doubting. But he did get the ridiculous amount of target share that Derek Carr basically was saying he was going to give him. And Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are clearly friends. One of the narratives, one of the narratives, and it's something I try to pay attention to, that does seem to stick in the NFL is the best friend narrative. The people that are friends, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, um, the the A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, there it is, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr. All of these guys are getting ridiculous, ridiculous target shares. And it seems like a very good trend. If somebody says that they're really good friends with somebody and that's why they're there to play, you might as well just draft that person. Because that person, unless they get injured, they ain't gonna be they ain't gonna be a bust, that's for sure. So that's what we learned from Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill also, just real quick. Another big wide receiver who changed teams. We're going to get to A.J. Brown in a little bit. Tyreek Hill had a nice debut as well. But going back to the Raiders-Chargers game, outside of that, Renfro, probably droppable Waller as he gets healthier, and he did get that contract finally. So I do think Waller will come back on and be that top five tight end for you. So if you drafted him, I would feel pretty good right now. Chargers have Gerald Everett. He's a good tight end fill-in if you need somebody. If either you drafted somebody you feel really bad about and you want a new tight end in there, you can grab Gerald Everett. Otherwise, if you're just looking for somebody as a backup for injury or bye weeks or just tight end insulation on the roster, go ahead and grab Gerald Everett. He's looking pretty good. With Mike Williams getting four targets, I'm pretty worried. I'm not going to lie. I know it's one week, but that's one of the guys I'm worried about. How when Keenan Allen gets hurt, and you throw the ball as many times as you did. I'll pull that number up in a second. Mike Williams only gets four targets. That's atrocious. Okay, they threw the ball 34 times. That is plenty. If they're throwing the ball 34 times, Mike Williams should be getting seven, eight targets at least. At least. Especially with Keenan Allen only getting four. Nobody in their offense had more than four targets. They were spreading that ball out. And that's not a bad thing for the offense, although they should target their superstars a little bit more. That's not a terrible thing for the offense. That's terrible for fantasy. So, we'll, And they won the game. So they might just continue that, that kind of offense. But we'll see. Uh, I'm not freaking out too, too much, but I am very worried about Mike Williams. I'm not like trying to trade him away for nothing. But if somebody gives you a fair offer for Mike Williams... Let's say somebody offers you like a Gabriel Davis for Mike Williams or a Allen Robinson for Mike Williams or a, I, I wouldn't do A-Rob, but Gabriel Davis for Mike Williams, I would have to think about, which is crazy because they were nowhere near each other in ADP, but I'm, I have to think about that trade offer. And there's a couple other guys like DK Metcalf for Mike Williams, might have to think about it. The Broncos wide receivers for Mike Williams might have to think about it. So there's just a lot that has changed in, in terms of that and, and my thoughts just overall on Mike Williams and that offense. Steelers, Bengals, oh, real quick, Josh Jacobs, he's pretty much what he's been drafted as. He's probably just like a, a flex. Not too excited about him. Steelers, Bengals, Tyler Boyd should be on your radar. 
You guys know I've been a Tyler Boyd guy for the longest. I have not talked about him that much this offseason because we know what he is. Or at least you should know what he is if you listen to me. Okay, with all three of them healthy, he's just, unless you're in a really deep league, he's a flex play. But other than that, just like a safe wide receiver to keep on your bench and spot start. With either of those wide receivers out, Tyler Boyd is a top 20 wide receiver in PPR. Because if you look at any of his games, when it's just him and one other person, whether it was A.J. Green, whether it was Jamar Chase, whether it was T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd's a top 20 PPR wide receiver. And he's going to be that until T. Higgins comes back. I don't know if T. Higgins is out for a week or two or what, but Tyler Boyd is going to be good because of that time frame. And, you know, once all three of them are back on the field, then he's going to be relegated back to being a deep flex or a spot start guy if you have a lot of injuries or whatnot. But right now, if you're in like those 10 team leagues that have like six person benches, Tyler Boyd might be on the waiver. Go grab him. Absolutely go grab him. On the Steelers side of the ball, Najee's hurt. I'm a little bit worried about Najee because if he's playing the whole season, like with all these little knickknack injuries and the offensive line's already not good and he's not like a super explosive guy in the first place, I don't know, man. Like he's probably a back end RB1. And that's not where he was being drafted. He was being drafted, I think, as like number five, maybe in ADP. So he's going to let you down a little bit, but he's still going to get a lot of volume, hopefully, as long as he's healthy. Not too much else for me to say in terms of fantasy, but for NFL purposes, I will say Chase Claypool, you ain't that guy. Chase Claypool will never be George Pickens. If you guys remember me last year, and actually the year before, Chase Claypool, if it wasn't for that four-touchdown game that he had, nobody would have drafted him before, like, round 10 this year or even last year. Like, if it wasn't for that one game, this whole dude's career would be completely different, and everyone's perception would be completely different. But the whole Mapletron trend, the nonsense of, you know, oh, Mapletron, he's so big, he's so fast, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know what he doesn't do, though? He doesn't catch the ball. And it's like, it's not one of those like, oh, he's got the drops. Like, no, he's never been a good catcher. Like, he's not going through a spell. Like, he's just not a good catcher. Now, maybe he'll fix that. But George Pickens does it perfectly right now, and he's a rookie. And Deontay Johnson, he's had the drops, but he fixes it. So what are you doing, Chase Claypool? You get yourself in perfect position all the time, and the ball hits you right in the mitts every time, and you're dropping it at the worst times fourth downs third downs trying to come back in the game you're just past the the line to gain and you're dropping it drop 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 and he had one that you know they could have prevented the game from going to overtime if he got caught a ball that hit him right in the hands it was a difficult catch but once the ball hits both of your hands you got the difficult stuff out the way if you're letting it hit both your hands so finish it but he never does anyways that's just me kind of just expressing expressing my opinion that Chase Claypool is very overrated and I've never been somebody to really care for him too much. Colts Texans, I watch that game every single snap. Davis Mills is still very difficult for me to figure out. I don't know if I think Davis Mills is a good long-term dynasty guy or if he's just a one-year starter for this year and then he's going to get replaced. I don't know if I think they're going to win three to four games or seven to eight games and that makes a big difference on whether he gets replaced too depending on their draft position. So it's something to watch. Let's pay attention to Davis Mills. If you have Davis Mills, let's pay attention and figure out in three to four weeks, we need to know, are we holding 
Or are we going to try to sell him to somebody who's trying to win this year, needs a quarterback in a super flex league, like a dynasty league or whatever, and get something back for him before he's no longer a starter? Redraft purposes, we don't really care about Davis Mills. But I had to throw that in there for my dynasty guys. On the Colts side of the ball, I posted a meme, I thought it was pretty funny, that the Colts are... They're pretty much, this isn't a meme, but this is how I would describe it. They're pretty much missing their ex. They broke up with their ex because they thought that they saw someone better. Then they got with that person. They said, oh my goodness, what did I do? And that is how the Colts are probably feeling because Carson Wentz was a beast. Matt Ryan couldn't even beat the Texans. And yeah, like I, I know, oh, Carson Wentz lost to the Jaguars, but whatever. But I mean, Wentz is looking really good, and he's got weapons. He's got a lot of receiving weapons over there in Washington. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan with Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, pretty much that's it, is not looking any better than Carson Wentz did when Carson Wentz was there. If anything, he's, I mean, in my opinion, you guys know I'm not huge on Matt Ryan anymore. I think he's getting pretty close to washed. I see a lot of people saying, Matt Ryan's a buy-low. Matt Ryan's a buy-low. Go get Matt Ryan. Why? What for what purpose? What explain to me the thought process of why you would want Matt Ryan on your fantasy team? He holds zero upside. I'm talking about redraft, right? Redraft. Well, sorry, I'm talking about normal standard leagues. When I say redraft, standard leagues with its one quarterback. Why would Matt Ryan be a bylo? Why do you want him? He's got no upside. The best upside he has is like a 300-yard, two-touchdown, three-touchdown game. Would that game be very good? Yes. But you know the upside that everybody else in the league has? 400 yards and four touchdown games. Or 100 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns along with a bunch of passing stuff. Matt Ryan has not a lot of weapons. He's on an offense that wants to prioritize running the ball. He's got a good defense backing him. He's not going to be in crazy shootouts. He doesn't have weapons for crazy shootouts. And he's got a pretty mediocre to slash weak arm at this point in his career. So no thanks. Um, if you're reading an article that says Matt Ryan's a bylo, stop reading the article. Then we've got, <laughs> that's kind of harsh, but it's kind of funny too. And we've got the Jaguars commanders game. Jahan Dotson. Yes, sir. Round of applause. Good job, my man. Good job. Looking good. Two touchdowns. Did a lot with his targets. He also had a really nice grab that was just way overthrown by Wentz. Dude, Wentz and Trevor in this game. Wentz had a very good game, but it could have been so much better. He had maybe three or four 20-plus yard passes that he overthrew by a yard. And if he didn't, oh my goodness. The game would have been over way earlier and same thing with Trevor Trevor way worse though Trevor I feel like half of his balls were overthrown which is interesting because I think he was making some pretty good reads like you could take two different approaches you could say Trevor oh man he's he was really inaccurate I'm off or you could say man Trevor was making some good reads he was thrown to the right people at the right times he just wasn't accurate enough but I think that's going to fix itself. He just had a bad game. He had an off day. I'm a buy. So you could take either direction. I think I leaned more towards the pro Trevor Lawrence just because of the pedigree, because of him coming out of college, what we thought of him, what he was ranked as, what everybody was on board with him as. He's finally got a competent coach. He's only played one uh, one game with a 
competent coach and a good structured offense and a new scheme and he's got a lot of new players so it's going to take him some time and maybe just with a lot going on he's just overthinking stuff a little bit and it's causing him to have an off day with his accuracy I think his accuracy will come around and he's going to be pretty good I think he'll be pretty good if he starts running the ball a little bit more too that's to be seen we don't know yet if he's going to run the ball a whole bunch in this game he ran the ball let me check he ran the ball for four yards yeah I I watched every snap of this game so I knew it wasn't a lot I just didn't remember how much but yeah he ran for four yards so yikes He's going to need to be really, really good as a passer for us to think about grabbing him in single quarterback leagues. But he's got way more upside than a Matt Ryan. What are we doing, guys? Come on now. So Trevor Lawrence, he's looking good, uh, looking all right. James Robinson's looking really good, super efficient, brushing off tackles, making change of direction cuts pretty strong, pretty fast for you know what he's been through. And he's really, he doesn't look any worse than he did before his injury. So that's really good news. And Travis Etienne was looking explosive. I would, if I have James Robinson, I'm either trying to sell high or I'm just holding. I'm not trying to go buy James Robinson. Travis Etienne, I'm trying to go buy because he also looked explosive. He could have had two touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns, one that hit him in the hands and he dropped and he nobody was near him. And then the second one, he ran a really nice wheel route, got open past the corner, had like three yards of separation. Trevor Lawrence threw it out out the back of the end zone, and he just overshot him. So if Etienne has two touchdowns, we're talking about him like, holy crap, he was a great fourth-round pick or fifth-round pick or wherever you got him. I think usually like early fifth. He's like like the 4-5 or turn. Oh, he was a great pick there. He's a solid running back. He's like a top end RB2. But right now, people are not looking at him like that because he didn't get those touchdowns. And guess what? That game was not aired on most people's TVs. So the people that are not watching, and and I think one of those touchdowns that he missed was not in the red zone either. Like it, I think it was like a 21-yard pass or something. Maybe it was is it was less. But I'm just saying the likelihood that people saw that on red zone, not super likely. So People may not really have realized what Travis Etienne was doing and how he looked, and I think he's going to start getting more carries. He's he's not going to get four carries a game, guys. He's probably going to get more like eight, nine, and he got 47 yards off his four carries, and and he fumbled. He had a fumble, so that might have been part of the reason why he only got four carries. So if we're getting eight, nine carries a game with Etienne, and he gets the targets that I think he will get he only had four in this game but i think we'll probably get used to like six very soon he's a good buy right now and that offense gets better he's going to have more touchdown opportunities as well let's think about this james robinson got two touchdowns james robinson's not going to own the touchdowns over etn the entire season like that it's going to level out a little bit it's probably going to end up being you know maybe 60 40 with james robinson having more but honestly Etienne could easily end up with more if he breaks a lot of long ones. So that's what we've got on the running backs. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones are both worth rostering. Christian Kirk, very good. Zay Jones is a good waiver wire pickup if you need like a solid PPR wide receiver. Kind of like think of what Cole Beasley was for the past couple years. That's I think what Zay Jones is going to be like this year. So if you want that type of player, go grab him. On the other side of the ball, Terry McLaurin somebody I'm trying to sell. He had a deep touchdown catch. 
but he was not getting targeted at all. It does not seem like Carson Wentz looks at Terry McLaurin and holds him in a higher regard than Curtis Samuel or Jahan Dotson. I don't think Terry McLaurin is the number one on that team. It sucks to say that. I don't know if this team has a number one, but I don't think that if they do, it's Terry, which is ridiculous. Like I, Terry's obviously the best wide receiver there, at least right now. We'll see what happens with Jahan Dotson. But in terms of how they're actually going to get statted out for the whole season, I don't know if Terry's going to be the number one wide receiver. I'm trying to sell him because of that touchdown. If somebody's looking at his points, it's looking like he's good. Where he was drafted, looking good. I'll get rid of Terry if you can. Try to get one of those underperforming wide receivers. If you can get Mike Williams for Terry McLaurin, do it. If you can get Michael Thomas, which probably won't, but if you can get Michael Thomas, do it. Stuff like that. So I would try and get rid of uh, Terry. Curtis Samuel looks really good. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be like a little bit better than Cole, like a Cole Beasley because... I'm trying to think of like a better comparison. It's just tough. But he's getting a lot of short yardage passes, and he's doing a lot with it after the catch. So he's looking really good. With that said, let's move on to the next game, Eagles-Lions. Probably going to pick up the pace here a little bit because it's taking a long time. So Jalen Hurts is exactly what we thought. He's looking in a good way. He's looking good for fantasy. He could have had way more touchdowns than he did. They got stopped. He had Dallas Goddard get stopped at the one-yard line. He gave up touchdowns to running backs three times this week. That probably won't happen as often in the future. So Jalen Hurts had 24-something, almost 25 points in standard four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, and he only had one touchdown. Let's think about that. Ridiculous. And, yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say. Jalen Hurts is... On track for like a top three quarterback, depending on what happens with Mahomes and Josh Allen. But I still wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Hurts finishes as QB1. Then A.J. Brown getting ridiculous, ridiculous target share. And I was trying to tell everyone, don't be so down on A.J. Brown just because what we think the offense is going to be. One, the offense is going to pass more than you think. And two, A.J. Brown's going to get a higher target share than you think. And sure enough... A.J. Brown got like a 30-something percent target share, which is ridiculous. He'll probably come down to like 28, 29 for the season, but that's still insanity. And let me tell you this. Before you look at the box score, okay, you, if you look at the box score of the Eagles-Lions game, you're, wow, you're thinking this. They threw the ball 32 times. They ran the ball 30, I think it's like 36. Let me do the math real quick because I got it pulled up. 39. They ran the ball 39 times to 32 passes. Ew. That's probably what you're thinking. But here's the thing. Before they were blowing out, now, yes, I know it doesn't look like a blowout, 38-35, right? But at one point in time, they were blowing out the Lions. At that point in time, they were passing the ball 60% of the time, or like 58% of the time. Because I made sure to make note of that. Because I was watching this game, and once I saw them get that lead, I was like, all right, let me see real quick before this goes away because it's a hard thing to find let me mark down their passes and runs before this becomes a game of just grind out the clock and so that's what I did and it was like 26 passes to 20 runs and then the rest of the game we had six more passes and 19 more runs so it shows you that the actual offense not what the box score says the actual offense the Eagles plan on running is going to pass the ball a lot more than people were predicting along more what I was thinking 
at the 60-40. Now, obviously, there's plenty of things I got wrong this season. We'll talk about one of them um, when we get to that game. But that's definitely one of the things I was on. And then Lions, pretty much everyone is doing what you would have thought they were doing. Amon Ra is doing good. 100 yards, or sorry, um, not 100 yards. 64 yards, a touchdown, 20 fantasy points. That's really good. 12 targets, 8 receptions. So he had a nice day. DeAndre Swift had 150 yards, a touchdown. Now that's going to come down a little bit, but that was awesome. I will say, hopefully he gets targeted a little bit more than three times. But it was just a weird, kind of a weird game for the Lions. And TJ Hawkinson, eh. But I don't think anybody really had huge expectations for TJ Hawkinson this year. Dallas Goddard, eh. A little bit better outlook for the rest of the season, in my opinion, than TJ Hawkinson. I think he's probably... Your closest bet to being a top five tight end outside of the standard top five tight ends that everybody talks about, which is, if you don't know, Kittle, Pitts, Waller, Kelsey, Andrews. So outside of those five, I still would rather have Dallas Goddard over anybody else. He's the second read. If Jalen Hurts starts going through his progressions a little bit more and running a little bit less, Dallas Goddard's going to get a lot more targets because he's going to be the second read every time because he runs the middle of the field. You've got A.J. Brown on one side, Devonta Smith on the other, well, Dallas Goddard's in the middle, so when you're scanning the field going from one side to the other, your second read is Dallas Goddard. Then we've got the next game, Browns-Panthers. This is another narrative that I'm trying to pay attention to, but it's not going the direction I thought. So remember, best friend narrative, we like it. We like it, we like it, we like it. Revenge game narrative, maybe not so much because we had the revenge game narrative for Baker, didn't turn out well. We had the revenge game for uh, Russ, didn't turn out well. So maybe we should pump the brakes on the revenge games a little bit and start betting the other side because I bet the Baker side, the revenge side, and that didn't work out. I also bet Russ's side, and that didn't work out. So maybe the revenge game stuff is not the best bet. And that's what happened in this game. Really, there's not too much to talk about on the Brown side of the game. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a decent pickup. You guys know I love that dude. I compared him to Allen Robinson coming out of college. And he was somebody that I drafted everywhere really late. I still have him on a lot of my dynasty teams, so I'm excited that he got 11 targets. On the Panthers' side of the ball, DJ Moore I'm not worried about. He's going to get more targets. It'll come. Christian McCaffrey I'm slightly worried about. And that's why I said, mm, uh, uh, about top five running backs. I wouldn't trade him away. For the guys that I said, like Dalvin Cook, but I also wouldn't trade for him if I could with one of those guys, if that makes sense. Right now, I'm just going to hold what I got when it comes to Christian McCaffrey and see, because his usage was the lowest usage he's had in like three years in healthy games. So that's that's really scary. Saints-Falcons, here's another one. Um, this is what I was referencing when I said one of the things I was wrong about, and that's going to be Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara... I very much endorsed this season to draft him, and I'm actually kind of worried about him. The reason I'm worried about him is because the Saints were not letting Jameis throw the ball much in the beginning of the game. They really weren't. Like, if you look at the game, all of the passing stuff for the Saints came in the second half. The first half was horrible, and the Falcons don't even have a good defense. The way the Saints want to win games is to run the ball. Well, Brennan, you're saying you're worried about Alvin Kamara. Well, how has Alvin Kamara always been great for fantasy? 
Receptions, touchdowns. Those are the two. Receptions, touchdowns, not running the ball. And yeah, he can run the ball and have great games on the ground, but that's not what makes Alvin Kamara Alvin Kamara. And I'm really worried that that whole narrative of Jameis doesn't throw to the running backs is way more true than any, than any of us thought. A lot of us would write it off or at least discount it, saying, well, you know, he hasn't had an Alvin Kamara. Well, he has Jarvis Landry, who looks good, Michael Thomas, who looks great, and Chris Olave, who looks good. He's got no reason to throw to Alvin Kamara. And he didn't. He did not. He was not throwing the ball to Kamara, and Kamara's still not dominating on the ground. He got nine carries. That's bad. Taysom Hill they're using, so that takes away a lot of red zone opportunities from Kamara. The last time we saw Superstar Kamara, Taysom Hill wasn't doing his nonsense. And Mark Ingram's back in the fold. Mark Ingram got half the carries as Kamara. And then in the receiving game, like I said, Kamara only got four targets, seven yards. He was pretty much just a bailout option at the line of scrimmage for Jameis. Like, he was not getting actual targets, legit targets. And that's super scary. Especially if they're not going to throw the ball a lot in the first place. Michael Thomas, however, though, love it. Love it. Because he's going to be getting probably 8 to 10 targets a game. And they all came. He had 8 in this game. They almost all came in the second court, or second half. He got 2 touchdowns. Looks really good. Jameis, we know, can air the ball out. Jarvis is interesting as a flex play. He might be on some waivers. You can take a look at him. Drake London looks really good. Kyle Pitts I'm not too worried about. He was the number one person the Saints were trying to eliminate from that from the game plan. Also, the Falcons had an unusual lead most of the game, so they didn't throw nearly as much as they might. Now, they did throw 33 times, so uh, actually I don't know how much I, I believe that. I think they're probably going to throw around 33 times a game. But maybe they'll be more around 36 if my line of thinking is off and they're just down all the time and they just have to throw more. But Cordero Patterson... He is, he's the guy, he's the same guy from last year, and everyone was like, oh, is it going to be, you know, Tyler Algier, or Damian Williams, or what's going on, like, who's going to be the running back? Yeah, it's Cordero Patterson, 22 carries, Marcus Mariota, 12, that's the run game. Receiving, like I said, Drake London had a good day, 7 targets, 5 receptions, 74 yards, getting good separation. Kyle Pitts, 7 targets, only 2 receptions, but at no fault of his own. And I think he'll be fine moving forward. If Desmond Ritter takes over, ooh, wheels up for these guys. Let's go Ravens-Jets. I'm going to be honest, didn't see too much of this game, so I'm not going to give too much input. I don't want to speak on what I don't know. So don't got too much on this game for you. But if we do look at the box score, I will say Kenyon Drake is definitely the running back there until... um, until Dobbins gets back so if you have any interest in that you can go that way I wouldn't have any interest in that personally Devin Duvernay is like a super hot waiver pickup I have no interest he got four targets caught all four of them and two touchdowns he he's just one of those sporadic deep ball big play guys that pulled together two in the same game and now everyone's freaking out he got less targets than Rashad Bateman less targets than Mark Andrews the same amount of targets as Isaiah Likely a rookie tight end and the same amount of targets as DeMarcus Robinson. So all those guys, come on. Devin DuVernay, don't freak out. Don't be the guy that goes and overpays for a wide receiver just because he had two touchdowns and he's a fluky guy. And in an offense, that doesn't even pass a lot. So why? 
There's no reason. Don't do it. On the other side of the ball, Brees Hall, I think people are freaking out a little bit too much on Brees Hall because he got so little compared to Michael Carter. He got about half the carries. But he did get a lot of receptions and a lot of targets. Guys, that's good. Just like Javante Williams, that's really good. Pay attention to that. Don't freak out over Brees Hall. I would go try to acquire him. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, he got 10 points. That's not horrible, but he's behind Michael Carter, obviously. Blah, blah, blah. No. Go get Brees Hall. I know Michael Carter also got nine targets. Well, that might be what the offense is like. It's not going to be to that degree. But if Brees Hall is getting four or five targets, his carries are going to come up from six. Guys, I promise. I promise. They were in the hole versus the Ravens from the beginning of the game. Okay? The Jets may be bad, but they're not that bad. They're going to be closer in games more often, be able to run the ball more often versus other opponents. Brees Hall is somebody I would be looking at grabbing. 49ers Bears. Boy, oh boy, my man Justin Fields looking good. And it was like a super, super bad field, of course. But if you saw the pictures, oh my goodness. I had to make that one of my profile pictures for one of my teams with Fields in a Sleeper. Because, dude, that was sick. Like, them sliding across the field like that. Oh, dude, that was so sick. But that was an awesome game. I'm not worried about Trey Lance. Trey Lance had a pretty good QBR. And... He's somebody that you probably can get for really cheap right now if you want to. If you don't really have a great quarterback option, you can. Also, just pay attention to see if he gets dropped to the waivers. Patriots, Dolphins. I would say, yeah, I know, didn't have much to say on 49ers, Bears. Patriots, Dolphins. Patriots are looking pretty bad. They are. Now, with Ty Montgomery just get getting put on, it was either Pup or IR. I think Pup, I'm not, I don't remember, but he just got put on something. Ramondre Stevenson probably will step into that receiving role. Ty Montgomery was taking like all the receiving work, so that's looking good for the opportunity that has been left to be filled by somebody else. And I think it's going to be Ramondre Stevenson. I don't think it's going to be a rookie that they're going to pull up. Not, not historically backed is the fact that wide receiver or rookies will get work from Belichick. So I don't think that their Pierre Strong is going to come up and just take all that work. So, no thank you. I'm looking more Ramondre's way. I'm just holding him. I have him in a lot of places. Him, him, A.J. Dillon, and Clyde were the three later running backs, Gibson here and there, that I was taking in drafts. Those were like the late ones. I wanted to get Edmonds in a lot of places, but I just wasn't able to for whatever reason. Edmonds is somebody that's looking really good to me right now. And he's a, he's a good candidate to go trade for because he didn't do that great for fantasy purposes, but his usage, ooh, love it. Love his usage. Then we've got, and like I said, Tyreek looked good. Waddle looking good. I'm not really trying to make any crazy opinions on Tyreek and Waddle right away other than the fact that they are both good and Tyreek is probably going to be a top 15 wide receiver. And then we've got the Bills-Rams game from Thursday. You guys have probably heard a million people talk about that game. So I'm not going to talk about it too much. Oh. But, man, look at that. I'm so tired from all the football I've been watching. Um, Other than that, though, Gabriel Davis, I mean, he's looking really good. Darrell Henderson's a good pickup. That's pretty much the recap on the games. I'm going to pull up some stuff that I've posted for those of you that may not notice what I've posted and I'm going to go over some of that stuff real quick as we finish out the podcast some waiver pickups I really like Darrell Henderson 
Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason is a rookie running back for the 49ers. A lot of people are on Jeff Wilson as the main pickup. I would go Jordan Mason. I would pivot. Jeff Wilson's been with them forever. He's never been the main guy. He's only the guy, like a guy that gets touches when everyone else is hurt. So clearly they're not in love with him. Jordan Mason, we haven't seen yet. It's possible they fall in love with that guy. And you're going to get him for way cheaper. So Jordan Mason, I'm looking at. Donovan Peoples-Jones, as we've talked about. Same with Zay Jones. Robbie Anderson forgot to bring him up in the Panthers game. He had a lot of targets. And he's finally got a quarterback that can throw a deep ball. So that'll be interesting. He's a good pickup. Julio Jones, good pickup. He's looking healthy. Carson Wentz, looking good. If you need a, a quarterback and, you know, let's say you have Trey Lance and you want to see it from him and you're a little worried and you don't want to play him next week, pick up Carson Wentz. He's got a good matchup week two. Taysom Hill. He's super annoying. However, if he's tight end eligible, pick him up because you can throw him in your tight end spot. If you don't have one of the studs, pick up Taysom Taysom Hill, throw him in your tight end spot. And there are three guys I want you to watch out for on the drop list. And what I mean by that is people that might get dropped for, for waiver pickups. So if anybody drops one of these three people, pick them up. Damian Pierce, Cole Komet, Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney injured, not, not on the field that much. When he was, he looked really good. Um, so it's possible some things change still dude, always such a weird situation with Kadarius. I don't know what's going on on the field. He's always been really good. Damien Pierce. It's just going to take time. It's going to take time and possibly an injury will come and he'll just take a whole bunch of carries or he'll just work his way slowly, but it's going to take time. Just don't bail on Damien Pierce. And then you've got Cole Komet. He had zero receptions and that's not very promising. However, However, that game was a huge, huge outlier, which is why I didn't really talk about any of the skill position players outside of Justin Fields looking pretty good and Trey Lance looking pretty good. Like the wide receivers, running backs, I'm not really talking too much about because of what that game looked like. And for that reason, if someone freaks out, freaks out and drops Cole Komet, go pick him up. All right, so those are my waivers. And then some quick buy lows or sell highs, guys I would consider trading away. Alvin Kamara, I think he's probably more around RB12 than like RB7 or 8, maybe even like RB13, 14. So if you can trade him away for a Dalvin Cook who underperformed, or if you could trade him away for a Joe Mixon, or if you could trade him away for a package deal, like if you could ship off Kamara and grab AJ Dillon and an extra piece, do it. Oh my, that is perfect. That is the perfect deal. How am I just thinking of this? Okay, if you have Alvin Kamara and you don't have A.J. Dillon, think about this. Alvin Kamara is getting similar carries as A.J. Dillon. Who's in the better offense? A.J. Dillon. Who's going to have more touchdown opportunities? A.J. Dillon. Who gets used in the red zone more? A.J. Dillon. Who's getting more targets and more receptions? A.J. Dillon. Oh, crap. Who's the better fantasy running back? A.J. Dillon. So guess what? If you've got Kamara, go get A.J. Dillon. And then get somebody else with them. I'm usually the guy sending two, getting one. But this is a perfect deal to send one and get two. And get the best prospect in the deal. Go do it. Do it. Go trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Alright. So, that was a... that was a secret for the day. Adam Thielen, I would trade him away. I was He should have been able to do a lot more in this game. Elijah Mitchell, if you can get anything for him, or even in Dynasty, I would trade him away because I don't think he's going to do much this year. 
and people might still be on him a lot. Mike Evans, we talked about why already. Jarvis Landry, I'll trade him away. I don't think the Saints are going to, one, pass as much as they did in the second half over the course of the season, and I also don't think that Jarvis Landry is going to be ahead of Chris Olave for too long this season. So I would trade away Jarvis for whatever you can. Terry McLaurin, definitely we talked about. And guys I'm trading for, Dalvin Cook, Chase Edmonds, Chris Olave, Travis Etienne, Chase, uh, I said Chase Edmonds already, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is somebody that didn't get a lot of targets. It was a weird game, but he's a super stud and he got a lot of targets with Joe Flacco last year. So I'm just, I'm trying to get him while he's got a low price pretty much so those are some buy lows some sell highs some waiver pickups some things that we learned from week one of the nfl thank you guys for listening thank you for tuning in dm me questions we're back baby season is back we're going strong share the podcast with friends drop a rating drop a review with that said peace 